Thanks for tuning in. My name is Kevin Conover. I'm your host on Educate for Life Radio, and we are broadcasting down here in Southern California on FM 106.1 and K Praise 12:10 a.m. And of course, we're also podcast on uh, Apple iTunes and Google Podcasts and and everywhere else. And uh, there is all kinds of wild stuff in the news recently about aliens. I mean, you'd have to have your head under a rock uh, not to know. Um, just just in the news, I believe today or yesterday, uh, bizarre uh, people were thinking that aliens, seven foot tall aliens, were attacking people in Peru. <laughs> if you haven't if you haven't seen this, look it up. And and now it's looking like I, I find this answer even bizarre too. What it turned out to be was uh, guys dressed as aliens wearing jetpacks. That that sounds bizarre to me also, almost as bizarre as aliens. But um, whatever the case, uh, there is a lot of speculation right now, especially, especially because uh, back on July 26, uh, during that week, there were congressional hearings on um, alien sightings. We have high-level uh, people in the, that have served in the military, respectable people claiming um, uh, David uh, Gorsh reclaiming that the government has actual alien spacecraft and potentially um, alien biology, body parts from aliens. And uh, this can really throw you for a loop. If, you, if you're you know, a Bible-believing Christian, you're trying to figure out what in the world is going on here. Um, does the Bible hold a position on whether aliens exist or not? And uh, how should I view these things? And why would somebody uh, be making all this up? And um, the good news is, is we've got an expert on the show today, um, uh, Gary Bates, and he has been studying this for quite a long time. A book, his book, Alien Intrusion, came out in 2005, and um, he has done tremendous amounts of research on this. And in fact, uh, ended up being one of the best sellers on Amazon uh, because uh, his book was so well done and so well researched. Uh, he has been uh, uh, working for. CMI, Creation Ministries International, creation.com, for quite a while. You can get all his resources there. You can also look him up, learn more about what he does. And uh, Gary, thanks so much for being on the show today. You are most welcome, Kevin. Nice to be back again. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, when I first read your book uh, quite a while ago, um, I was stunned by a lot of the research you had done and a lot of the conclusions that you had come to. And, um, but it all makes so much sense. And since then, you've also come out with an alien intrusion movie as well. Is that correct? Yeah, that came out in uh, 2018. Uh, a kind of lot of people were asking for it. And uh, I, I suppose apart from reading dry, hard print on a page, uh, the movie had a considerable impact because uh, we were able to use uh, the testimonies of the actual UFO researchers. And these guys are not Christians. So when a lot of people disagreed with our conclusions we said well it's it's not us you have a problem with it was your own guys so we're using their research uh, to validate if you like our hypothesis uh, but also the testimonies of these people who uh, you know might be called abductees we prefer to call them experiences and the fact that uh, these alleged alien visitations were being halted in the name of Jesus Christ so, uh, and again, you don't have to believe little Joe Christian here. Uh, there are over 400 cases uh, well documented uh, on that now. So as some guy said in the movie, if these are really aliens, why are they, why are they bothered by some mythical religious figure, uh, as the skeptics might say? But it, it indicates, as did the research of the secular ufologists that we featured, that uh, we're primarily dealing, uh, particularly at the abduction level, not so much with the sightings of uh, spiritual phenomenon, which guess what? The good old Bible has always indicated there's a spiritual realm and we've had visitors from that realm and they've masquerade, masquerade, uh, masqueraded in various forms. And the Bible says clearly, um, you know, Satan, the, the devil masquerade, masquerades as an angel of light, for example. So. Yeah, it's a bit so, of a snapshot. So what we want to, you know, I think what we where we're going with this and what we want to go uh, to discuss uh, for our listeners and really kind of nail down is, is there's a there's a gigantic portion of the world that actually believes there are physical aliens. Um, it's all over the web right now. For for those of you who need to get caught up on this, 
the uh, David Grush, he's a former US intelligence official. He actually testified during a congressional healing, hearing just in July, uh, not that long ago at all. Um, and, and his, you know, first of all, he, when he first made these claims that the government was hiding stuff, um, Congress, people of Congress said, look, uh, we feel like this is a potential security risk. We really need to look into this. We, we want to get down, you know, to the nitty gritty of what is really going on here. Because um, uh, Ryan Graves, a former Navy pilot, also testified. David Fravor, another Navy pilot, um, said he had seen some sort of uh, flying object. And uh, this isn't going away anytime soon. Um, Gary, this is a phenomenon that's been going on for a very long time, um, and it doesn't seem to be diminishing. Uh, do you anticipate people coming to a conclusion and this being cleared up, or is this going to be, do you feel this is going to be an ongoing issue that uh, we're going to have to be wrestling with? Sure. Um, well, you, you covered a lot there. Let me uh, try to un unpack it a little bit. I've, I've been researching this for over 20 years, and I've kind of been predicting this day would come. Uh, the first thing, even though, you know, people out there might say, well, he's a Christian or we're always going to put our kind of Christian interpretation on it. Uh, I'm not a debunker. Okay. That's the UFO term for everybody that's kind of in denial about what's happening. People really do see things uh, that are not explainable. We see objects on radar. The military have recorded them. Now, over 90% can be explained. But there are sightings that you cannot explain, uh, if you like, under our normal understanding of the laws of physics. Uh, in fact, in the movie, back as far as 2010, we featured uh, a clip from uh, a, a press conference or a conference being held at the Washington Press Club with 80 former Air Force officers. So not just enlisted guys looking for five minutes of fame. These were officers who testified to seeing these objects flying at 7,000 miles an hour. Now, we don't have craft that can do that. They're doing right angle turns without slowing down. They merge into one another and then go off in another direction. So it's not a matter of advanced technology uh, like you know is postulated in science fiction. That's science fiction. We, it's simply you can't have craft doing those types of things. You know, Doing right angle turns at thousands of miles an hour would splatter the occupants up against the wall. Secondly, when people see these things, we never see them entering our atmosphere from outside. There's about 150 sightings every day. And as I said, the majority can be explained. But when they manifest, and the, and the, 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 the leading ufologist will tell you this, when they manifest, they just appear and then they disappear. Hmm. And so for many, many years, the US government has neither, they've had that, we can neither confirm or deny but we looked at it and there's nothing to suggest it's of extraterrestrial origin. They've been doing this since the 1940s. Now in that press conference I mentioned, and I normally have never mentioned this and I've only kind of come out of the closet myself because it's just too hard for people to believe. They testified that these lights have entered the ground into our missile silos and have affected the operational readiness of our nuclear weapons. Now. A few years ago, we got an article on our website. If you just type in government UFOs at creation.com, Senator Harry Reid, leader of the House during the Obama administration, actually has come out and said that they were spending over $20 million a year continuing to investigate them. And he's really pushed the barrow on this because he said they affected our nuclear arsenal to such an extent that if the president wanted to order a retaliatory or a first strike, we, had, we would have been unable to do so. So that is major. You can bet the government is taking these things seriously. But here's the rub. If we really are dealing with something that we can explain in the supernatural realm, um, how would the governments explain that? Because they don't believe in the supernatural. And like that press conference, they said, well, clearly we're dealing with a technology that's far beyond our own understanding and whatever, and therefore it must be of extraterrestrial origin. But the major view now is it's not, you know, ETs flying their faster than light spacecraft from a, you know, a galaxy far, far away. That's called the extraterrestrial hypothesis. The shift has been to something called the interdimensional hypothesis. And all the leading movers and shakers will tell you, as I said, it's just appearing 
and it looks like it's entering our realm from another realm or dimension. And this, Kevin, is not new. This has been happening for as long as we've got record, uh, written records of it. You know, Alexander the Great recorded flying shields attacking his, his army. The American Indians have stories of flying canoes with people on board. Now, what are they seeing uh, and how they're describing it? We're never, too, we're never too sure. But the reason I predicted this is because the weight of evidence is so strong and other governments around the world have come out and been honest and more candid that in a way it was going to force the government's hand, particularly when their own uh, military personnel were kind of blowing, blowing the whistle. And so we've seen Navy pilot footage of these objects. Uh, we saw one entering the water next to a ship, uh, etc. But let me just answer one really important thing because I've had several emails from people saying, well, what are you going to do? Because they've said they've recovered alien bodies. Uh, they did not say they recovered alien bodies. And, and I want to make a point here because I've been doing this long enough to know when someone misdirects or equivocates on an answer, it tells me everything I need to know about the witness. So the question was asked of him, have we recovered alien bodies? He did not answer yes or no. And he said, we have recovered non-human biological material. Now, quite frankly, what on earth does that mean? Because yeah. a dead bunny rabbit is non-human biological material. Yeah. It could be absolutely anything. And when you get an answer like that, uh, unfortunately, I have to say that typifies at the lay level and at the high level, because there have been NASA astronauts, you know, pushing the barrow, wanting us to, you know, allegedly re reveal the truth about UFOs. It doesn't come from the weight of evidence. It comes from a belief that they have mm. that we need to do more and uncover it. So I have to say, Grish has a bit of an agenda in his answers, like some other high ranking officials like Harry Reid, of wanting to kind of uh, uh, seed the waters, as it were, to create controversy uh, that says we've got to uncover this, we've got to be doing more about more it. More funding, more funding for it. Yeah. Yeah, so I, that, I wanted to, our listeners to know that too, is that um, as far as I can tell, uh, the federal government, NASA, everybody at this point, even after the congressional hearings has said, there is no evidence of physical aliens like we would, we would think about. Um, they're not, the, the, the congressional hearings did not conclude that yes, there are aliens. That that is not the conclusion they came to, Correct. and and the evidence that uh, that was available, they said, was not enough to conclude that that there are aliens. Yeah. And so uh, that's a real problem. So I was going to ask you about that also. So I, I'm sure that there are some people that that um, manufacture the idea that aliens exist, or they they want so badly to believe that this was some sort of uh, extraterrestrial experience or whatever the case, uh, that either they trick themselves into believing that it happened, or I suppose they have an agenda. And um, I'm not asking you to get inside the mind of David Grush or, or anybody else. But when somebody like Harry Reid or Mr. Grush is making these statements, or um, I, was, I was listening to an interview by uh, John Lear. Uh, mm -hmm. You're probably familiar with him. And his statements are wild. Um, uh, he's he's literally saying, I know beyond a shadow of doubt that there are alien entities here on planet Earth. We've actually talked to them. It's like he's and he's describing there are different types of them. He says there's three different types of aliens. Some are hostile, some are nice. Um, and and yet, uh, you know, he's supposed to be somewhat credible. But um, what is is this? Do you think that somebody who's doing this? is just looking for attention? Have they tricked themselves into believing this? What, what is going on there? Well, this, this goal goes back as far as there have been sightings, I mean, right back even to the 1940s, uh, and I, I covered it in, in my book. Kevin, we have to understand people are very complex creatures. I suppose we always want answers. You know, if a NASA astronaut says he saw something, well, he's an authority figure, and therefore he must be telling the truth. Edgar Mitchell, one of the Apollo astronauts that landed on the moon, and years before him, Gordon Cooper, one of the Gemini uh, astronauts, uh, etc., 
uh, all were pushing the barrow of trying to get the government to intervene because they really believed there was something. Uh, Edgar Mitchell never saw he said anything, but he started an organization himself for the investigation of, of UFOs. And when I say people are complex, I've learned over the years, and you know, we, we even see it in Christian circles where people make spectacular claims of you know, having spiritual experiences with God or Jesus, etc. And we look at it and we go, well, they're a Christian, so why would why would they lie? But people can be self-deceived. In other words, you want the truth so bad that the story that was that big becomes that big and you don't sometimes know the difference yourself. It's like a fishing story. It gets bigger and bigger. And, you know, I'm not trying to be unkind, but people do it, yes, for their five minutes of fame. Uh, they do it because they want you to believe, right, what they believe. And a good mm -hmm. example of that was the book, The Roswell Incident, uh, which I have to say, before I became a Christian, I was a great believer in extraterrestrials and that type of stuff and a science fiction fan. And I read that book and I was convinced that the government was hiding the truth about UFOs because they produced in the book a, a photo of a, apparently a document signed by President Harry Truman that created Majestic 12. This is the MJ-12, the men in black, you know, which has become the stuff, stuff yeah. of law and movie yeah. fiction. Yeah. Uh, who were going out after crashes and sightings. But you know what happened? That document was a, a, uh, an exact replica of another signature Harry Truman time. No two signatures are ever alike. And that was the smoking gun. And they'd actually smuggled it into government archives where under the Freedom of Information Act, some of this stuff was supposedly been released and then claimed that they found it. So that wow. book was a huge seller because they had the smoking gun of Harry Truman's signature but later it was found to be a fraud. Now, they obviously made a lot of money from the book, uh, Charles Berlitz and more, but um, I also believe that they really believe the government was hiding stuff. And so they thought the end justified the means, this will get the government to tell the truth, uh, et cetera. But as I said, wow. uh, you know, I've met hundreds of people who've seen things and we should never debunk their stories, and particularly people who've had experiences, they can have real experiences. The question is, is are they truthful experiences? Because you've had something that is real, and something may stand at the bottom of your bed and say, well, look, I've come from Zeta Reticuli, I've chosen you, you're special. And I have to say, experienced investigators like myself, and even the secular ones, know, can really kind of determine the difference between seekers of fame, psychological episodes and those who may have had some sort of genuine experience we use something called the classic abduction syndrome there's a set of markers that we use to kind of examine people um, but the fact is they could have had a real experience and so that experience for them when they listen to the story that accompanies the experience they package the whole thing as in yes i've been visited by extraterrestrials and it makes them feel special and it gives them a mission. Um, John Mack, who you may have heard of, who wrote, who was an abduction researcher and former professor of Harvard Medical School, started out as a skeptic, but he interviewed hundreds of abductees. And he said, it's life-changing for them. And they become evangelists, if you like, for their cause. So people promote the idea on a number of levels is what I'm getting to. Yes, it can be frauded. They just believe and they want you to believe, or they could have had an experience that has kind of drawn them in, sucked them into the whole uh, worldview of being visited by extraterrestrials. Yeah, I'm sure if somebody's listening, they've got a million questions right now, which, which I want to get to. I want to really discuss this. What is somebody experiencing who actually does have an experience? They're being authentic, but if aliens aren't real. But before we get to that, you made a statement that I thought was really interesting just a little bit earlier. You said, before I became a believer, I was very convinced that aliens were real. And um, your book, your Alien Intrusion, specifically, um, uh, the subtitle specifically references the connection between evolution and the, the, this alien phenomenon. And I really want to uh, ask you about that. You, mm. Is there is there a tendency, if you are not a believer, to have a greater belief in aliens? Is is there a correlation there between those who believe in God and are Christians and believe in the Bible? 
and don't believe in aliens versus those who are not believers in the Bible. And then you have a more of a greater tendency to. And if so, why, why would that be? Well, let me just first say most Christians and we deal in evangelical circles and I speak in about 60 churches a year and I've spoken on the subject hundreds of times. In my experience, most Christians don't have a problem with the idea with of extraterrestrials, but for another reason, because they would say, well, you know, God is the creator per Genesis 1-1, and he made this incredibly vast universe, and why would he have made it so big just for us on planet Earth? We're like a speck of dust in the universe, uh, etc. But there are theological problems with that, because clearly the universe that God made, the heavens and Earth, in Genesis 1, are also reserved for destruction. And I have to talk about the term heavens and earth. It's a grammatical phrase known as a merism. And a merism is when you describe the two opposing ends of the subject to describe everything in between. And I like to say, for example, if we said, well, let's come to your uh, studio tomorrow and paint it from top to bottom, that's a merism. In that statement means we're going to paint everything. So heavens and earth means everything that God made. So quite simply, we know that it's reserved for destruction. Why? Because of what happened in Genesis chapter 3, the fall. You and I and everybody on this planet, we're living in a cursed and fallen creation, and the effects of sin were so bad that God's got to destroy it and make a new one. So, you know, poor old Mr. Spock sitting out there on the planet Vulcan, you know, they get diseases and cancers and die because of what Adam did, and they can't be saved because it's clearly only the descendants of Adam. Jesus is the last Adam to undo the effects of the first Adam. And then they get rubbed out at the end of time, these vastly intelligent beings who can answer the great moral questions of where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? Uh, they have no hope of salvation. They get destroyed at the end of time when God makes it a new heavens and earth. That would make God unjust. So the Bible doesn't talk about aliens, but clearly the purpose of creation was to bring forward a bride of Christ. And only humans can qualify as the bride of Christ. Okay, the non-believers like myself, yes, clearly evolutionists, because there's only two games in town as to how life began here on the earth. Either it evolved, Big Bang 14 billion years ago, and or God created. But the issue with the Big Bang uh, hypothesis, and I've been to lots of UFO conventions where they say, well, we know that we're in a relatively young part of the universe, our Milky Way, and so there could be alien races who've evolved a, a million years in advance of us. Therefore, if they're a million years advanced in their technology, can you imagine the type of spacecraft that they can build? You know, hyperdrive spacecraft traveling faster than the speed of light, and they're visiting our Earth, etc. But here's the problem with all of that. And you say there are good aliens and bad aliens, overwhelmingly these alleged experiences people have are damaging, even though they're told it's for their own good. And we won't go into the details because lots of it is of a sexual nature. So if these are highly advanced extraterrestrials who claim, I call them the space brothers in the book, you know, who've been overseeing our evolution for millions of years, well, don't they know that stealthily abducting people against their will in the middle of the night and subjecting them to cruel medical experiments on board the ship and they come back and the, all the doctors and the clinicians say that they're suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome and so on and so forth. Don't they know that's bad for the human condition? You know, and it's not just me that says that. Uh, Nick Redfern, the History Channel expert who appeared in our movie, he says, look, it's a game. It's a masquerade. He says they, they give the impression that they're trying to hide, but they clearly want to be seen. But if they're really our friends, why don't they just reveal themselves uh, etc. And, you know, I, I've said for years that I think we're coming to a time uh, when the government will say something like, we are being visited by extraterrestrials, right? Now, that's not because they've got proof of it. It's because they're probably dealing with a phenomenon they can't explain within their rational, um, materialistic worldview, and they'll just have to attribute it to something otherworldly, because evolutionary views that's the government mandated view and we're all infected by the idea of science fiction today i mean it's the number one most popular entertainment genre today yeah and when we look at all of these weird and wonderfully shaped aliens that are allegedly evolving on other planets it's because of evolution evolution took a different turn 
in their planet's history. That's why they've got four legs and five eyes and whatever compared to, to human beings. So, yeah, we, we've got to look beyond the interpretation that is given to the alleged evidence, the same way we do with creation evolution. We, we have the same facts, but people come to different interpretations based upon their pre-beliefs or worldviews. And I found the pre-belief was the most determining factor mm. in the terms of the statements that people make, uh, even, even at a high level, uh, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Our minds, uh, our minds seek a justification of what we've already decided is real, right? Um, and so uh, along these lines, um, I'm, I'm thinking about a a variety of questions here, but, uh, so explain to us how, because the, the case you're making is that this is a spiritual phenomenon and the evidence actually demonstrates that this is the case, that this is not, um, actually a, a full physical experience, but yet some people actually um, do have a physical, uh, it, it has a physical impact on them, even mm. though they're, they're having some sort of a mental or spiritual experience. Can you explain that to our listeners? Yeah. Uh, well, again, what we should also understand is the nature of the experience or of the sightings has changed over time. You know, the most classic um alien depicted today is called the gray you know the 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 insect-like eyes yeah uh, long spindly arms and legs well guess what before steven spielberg's close encounters of the third kind movie nobody ever recorded them like that Mm, it's it's quite shocking isn't it but no they never appeared like that now today we see things they the three main groups are reptoids reptilians uh insectoids there are some others but the greys are still kind of the main shape and the shape of the ufos this is as in you know the things we see in the sky not visitation has also morphed over time so it tends to change its appearance uh towards the understanding of the culture of the day so let's face it 200 years ago if a farmer's standing in his field and he sees some lights in the sky moving in formation there's no aircraft there's no there's no jets he's not even thinking about extraterrestrial technology visiting from another planet how does he interpret it he's going to interpret it within his cultural understanding of the day well it might be an angel or a demon or you know he might say i need to a new set of glasses or something but he's not going to dream up those ideas of evolution another world and advanced spaceships visiting us so when we look at the ancient records, as I say, you know, when American Indians say they're flying canoes, it's kind of probably what they appeared like. And we know from one of the uh, more recent events in the late 1800s, it was something called the airship wave, uh, 1896, 1898. And they appeared like blimps, those, you know, kind of gas-filled airships. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have those in the US, but they, the technology was starting to develop in Europe but people started to see these things flying and there's a story of one even landing and occupants coming out, uh, et cetera. The other aspect you mentioned is physically. Well, it's, it's not just that they're physically affected. It can appear physically. And again, when we talk about supernatural and the Bible and the angels, I think people have this concept of these ethereal ghostly spirit beings with angel wings, but, you know, tell me, tell me where that description is in the Bible. When angels appear, right? Three visitors sit down with Abraham. Some say one might be the pre-incarnate Christ. They sat down, they ate food. So let's just stop here for a minute. Did they have stomach organs and digestive tracts to eat the food, right? Sodom and Gomorrah, angels appeared physically, right? To bring destruction upon Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, think about this. You know, I'm a student of Egypt. I've been leading some tours to Egypt, etc. Moses and Aaron appear in Pharaoh's court. And we know the story, Aaron throws down his staff and God turns it into a snake. And then the conjurers throw down theirs. And I say to Christians, well, well what happened? And they say, well, it was an illusion. And no, no, no. That stick became a snake because it says Aaron's snake ate yeah. the other snake. Yeah. It's very, very hard for us to conceive in our kind of three-dimensional realm, space-time dimensions, but that 
angelic realm or the supernatural realm is not only spiritual, because think about it, ours is a spiritual realm. We mm. are spirit as well as flesh. Yeah. And so I believe that other realm where we can't go, but clearly they can go from there to here. It's not only what we would deem or understand as spiritual, but it can also be physical. And some of these UFO sightings have, have left physical traces. So when Gersh says non-human biological material, well, sometimes they've left stuff. I think it's called angel hair or something. And it, it's kind of weird. I mean, researchers have said if you're not well grounded, you can go off the deep end trying to yeah. fathom out all this stuff. And some well, of them have. That is amazing. But this is a, a gooey stuff, a bit like ghost busters, where they call it, you know, ectoplasm or yeah, something. Ectoplasm, but literally, yeah. they have found that with some, some sightings, etc. And as I say, they've been seen on radar. So clearly something is reflecting back from those radar beams. Well, that's so interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about this. You know, angels in the Bible are definitely able to obviously physically impact the world. So something's going on there where, you know, wh mm. whether they're materializing or whatever the case. I've always thought it was interesting because you don't, you don't hear very often about demons actually manifesting physically. They put, they'll possess people. They'll do things like this. But in the Bible, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't see too many instances where they actually, other than Satan appearing to Christ, um, mm. I don't, um, am I right in that or is that not? Not no, I, I think you're right. And this is, uh, again, something I don't normally talk about, but it's because it's a bit of a hurdle uh, too far for people to comprehend. Yeah. But I believe that angels uh, and demons are separate things, because whenever you see demons, it's interchangeable with the term evil spirit. But when angels appear, they do appear physically and they seem to man like the good angels appear like Gabriel yeah, uh, you know, appears before Mary. Um, Daniel has praise to the Lord, and an angel appears, looks like again Gabriel, and uh, he says that um, you know he's going to bring uh, Michael with him, and they've been fighting against the princes of other lands for three weeks in our time, so they yeah. can get there. So there's clearly a war uh, going on in the heavenlies. But whenever you see the word evil spirit or demon, they don't seem to have form themselves and they seem to require. So a good example is the passage where Jesus tells the story about an evil spirit leaving a man and he goes back and finds the man clean. So clearly the spirit can come in and out when it wants to. And then he brings back seven other spirits. And so seven other spirits enter the man and then, he, and then he was in worse shape than he was before. So translate that word spirit to angel. An angel goes out of a man and brings back seven other angels worse than himself and inhabit the man. That kind of doesn't make, make sense yeah. from what our understanding. And there's a view which I hold to uh, that in Genesis 6, the sons of God, uh, which everywhere else in the Old Testament means angels, right? Uh, Bene Elohim, Benoth Adam, Benoth females, daughters of men. So these sons of God, angels seem to intermarry with daughters of men. And then you get this offspring called the Nephilim. Uh, apologies to King James advocates, because there it says giants, but actually the King James translators mistranslated a Greek word, because the Septuagint was a Greek translation of the Old Testament, the word gigantes, but actually, that was the Greek word for the Titans. And the Titans in Greek mythology were the offsprings of the gods who intermarried women on the earth. You know, Hercules was one, for example. So they, these offspring were called the Nephilim. And Nephilim means fallen ones. And uh, a common Christian view. So if this is freaking people out, people can do the research. Because actually, right up until about the time of the Reformation and that time of Calvin, etc., the most common view in the ancient church and in typical uh, Judaic uh, rabbinical believings is the sons of God were angels. They produced the Nephilim and they were the demons, etc. Right. So their physical bodies were destroyed in the flood, but their spirits cannot go to heaven uh, and so on. So they're the demons that kind of roam around today. So that's actually a traditional historical view in the church it's only in modern times that uh 
the church has come to believe angels and demons are actually similar. So again, that kind of fits what we're seeing. Um, angels, I mean, in Egypt, God said he's destroying angel to bring plagues. So they have incredible power. They affected nature. And one of the reasons is the Egyptian pantheon of gods were actually deities of nature, you know, the Nile and the sky, yeah. and, and they've got a frog god and they've got a hippo god. And uh, if you look at God's words, he says, I will execute judgment on the gods, the false gods of Egypt. And by doing so, they undermined Pharaoh's power because he was the intermediate between the people and, and the gods. But look at what God's angel did. And it was even given, the, you know, the authority to kill the firstborn in Egypt. Well, God passed over and did that. But yeah, so, wow. so when we're looking at supernatural, we shouldn't be surprised that they can manifest in all sorts of extraordinary ways, have done throughout of history, and their purpose is clearly to get people's eyes off their creator. Yeah. Because one of the most common tales people are told during their abduction experiences, Kevin, is that the aliens are human being creators, the creators of human beings. Wow. And so throw Genesis 1-1 out. Mm. And you really, if you throw Genesis 1-1 out, what else is left? I mean, if that's not true, nothing that makes sense in the nothing makes sense in the bible that follows yeah uh, my guest today is gary bates if you're just tuning in and uh we are discussing this whole alien phenomenon with the congressional hearing that happened in july and uh just how serious people are taking it um it's not people are not taking this lightly uh the 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 investigations that are being done and looking into this uh they're considering it a very serious threat and so it's worth looking at you can get more information about um, his book, Alien Intrusion, at creation.com if you want to check it out. Also, the documentary, uh, uh, Alien Intrusion, um, also explores this in great detail with a lot of research. Uh, really well done. Um, Gary, I have another question because, you know, typically when we think of the demonic or we think of a spiritual presence, you know, a lot of times what, what people are thinking about is the occult. We're, we're thinking about witchcraft, which is something else that's been on the rise, mm. which is this um, which is the fun phenomenon of people uh, just, you know, having discussions and even relationships with um, spiritual beings. Um, and it almost seems like there's a crossover happening here where um, I wouldn't be surprised if people were doing what they could to try to communicate with these aliens. Now that there's this recognition, like you said, it's not extraterrestrial. It's what did you say? Intraterrestrial? Is that what you said? Uh, in interdimensional. Inter interdimensional so now you have this situation where people are like hey we can actually communicate with these aliens they're real beings and they're not associating them with quote uh, the occult or witchcraft they're associating it with science and beings that that are smarter than us yeah. and so it's this weird um is that actually happening where people are trying to get in contact with the aliens through like a I don't know, spiritual mechanism or something? Is that is that happening? Well, in the they, they, they actually themselves call it channeling, which has its, uh, its roots in the occult, etc. There are very common morphologies between the two. In fact, if people go to creation.com, have a look at my article called Are Ghosts Real? And again, we talk about the spiritual uh, implications of that. And again, I've met people that say, well, you're wrong. I'm communicating with the dead. Um, Unfortunately, some of these have even said that they're Christians, uh, and I've even had pastors say that they, they're able to do that, and they're a lost spirits, and they can, they've lost their way, and they can pass them on to Christ. And so we can even be misled, you know, in our own holy quest mm. uh, because of the experience. And I, again, I repeat, our experiences can be real, but it doesn't mean they're truthful. We can have deceptive experiences, and the only way we can interpret them is through the lens of Scripture. You know, I mean, Jesus, when he stood before Pilate, he said, my kingdom is not of this world, right? Uh, and so he's come from that other dimension, if we want to call it that. So maybe we should go to the source that makes it clear. And it's very clear in scripture that when you die, you go to one of two places. That's it. Uh, there is no, you know, life after death roaming around here, being able to communicate with your relatives uh, yeah. etc. So they have very, very common morphologies. And you might recall in the book, uh, I wrote about people like uh, Barbara Marciniak, uh, a new ager uh, in her book, Bringers of the Dawn. 
She claims she communicates with extraterrestrials. And what's fascinating, regardless of your own personal view of end times, whether you're post pre or, you know, a a millennial, uh, they've all got a view for you. Uh, but the most popular view they have, believe it or not, is that uh, there's going to be a great calling up of those fuddy-duddy Christians who have kind of, th th those who have been holding Mother Earth back from ascending to her next level, you know, of her revolutionary stage, etc. But don't worry, we're all going to be taken to some utopian planet and be looked after, but we've got to get rid of those negative energies that are holding the Earth back, etc., and You're what kidding. they write about, uh, and they claim to directly channel this from alien beings. And again, when you think about it, what's the greatest form of deception? It's to reinterpret something that you see in scripture according to a more, you know, up-to-date, enlightened view. Wow. You see it in Satanism. They have black masses that mirror communion, and it inverts the truth because that way it's a little bit more believable. No, no, it's not what that old-fashioned Bible says. Let, let me tell you what they were really aiming at. And a lot of uh, UFO believers, they believe the Bible is a record of extraterrestrial visitations. Mm. A Presbyterian minister by the name of Reverend Barry Downing, uh, we've had some, you know, internet, I called him a wolves in sheep's clothing. And the reason I use that strong term is because if he claims to be a Christian, he should know better. And I believe that you know, he's not, although he's a Christian, he's not using the Bible, he's authority. And he says that UFOs parted the Red Sea, you know, wow. uh, Jesus kind of the believers he has was beamed up by, you know, uh, or spoke, uh, sorry, a radio transmitter was God speaking to him, you know, on the temple, on the mountain when uh, in front of the burning bush, etc. And all sorts of weird stuff. So he's even a Presbyterian minister. And one of the reasons he's come to that view is he's met so many people that have had experiences and he's convinced by this supposed weight of evidence based upon the stories uh, that they're told. And that's the thing. Most of these abductees have stories um, that uh, they're convinced is the truth. And I've got to make this point too. How can that be? Well, I always say to people and Christians in particular, if you meet somebody that's had that experience, you need to exhibit empathy. I think we're very, very good at Christian being as Christians with our apologetics. We always want to correct people and bring the truth. And sometimes we kind of hammer them up against the wall. And, you know, I deal with the area of creation evolution where that's never more prevalent. Yeah. But when I deal with experiences, Kevin, I have to listen because sometimes they've never really told people their experience because you can imagine put yourself in their shoes. You know, last night you, you believe you were taken up on board a spaceship. You visited these other planets. You were told you're special. I've chosen you. I've got a special mission. I'm coming again to see you. You can't exactly go to the office and talk around the water cooler to your colleagues yeah. about what happened last night. Yeah. And so it isolates them. And then when they have the experience again, the only people that really they feel can empathize with them are the ones that are doing the violation and the abducting. And we see that in human relationships. It's called Stockholm syndrome, mm -hmm. you know, where kid, mm -hmm. uh, people are kidnapped, locked in a room, and suddenly they find, you know, that they've got uh, a similar uh, now cause with the people who are doing the, the abusing yeah. to them. And that's yeah. what I meant by people are complex. So um, people get driven in deeper and deeper and deeper. And we, unfortunately, uh, and I hate to be critical of the church, but because this is a phenomenon that the church does not deal with, I've had lots of people that have contacted me say, well, I went to the church and I was told that, you know, I need to go and see a psychologist or I'm demon possessed, etc." And that's just puts a wall up. But yeah. when they go off to these UFO clinics, of which there are thousands all over the world, hundreds here in America, they meet people who say, hey, welcome. We've got yeah. people just like you, come on in, you know, and they get, an, they get an acceptance and they get embraced. But then what does that do? That reinforces their experience as mm -hmm. well. So Christians, we need to be very discerning and loving and patient with people who've had experiences because they probably have had experiences just like lots of other people in the Bible. And, yeah. the, and Christ warns us about in the later times, some, some shall even depart from the faith 
and believe deceiving spirits, for example. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because when I was in college, I actually had a friend come to me and share an experience she had that was incredibly spiritual and uh, overwhelmingly, it was, it was very demonic. Mm. Um, but it was, uh, she, when, I, when I said to her, I believe you, she was like, wait, you believe yeah. me? Yeah, yeah. And she couldn't, she couldn't believe that I believed her because she yeah. said, I can't talk to, every time I bring this up, um, people just say I'm crazy. And I, she's like, I'm not lying. This happened to me. And mm. I, I, I need to talk to somebody about it. I need to figure out what's going on because it's real. And so um, I think I just, that really resonates what you're saying there that we really need to be empathetic. This is real. And people are having these experiences all over the place. But uh, that brings us to the next uh, kind of discussion point here, Gary. And that is, um, what was it that caused these uh, secular researchers? Because you said the secular researchers of aliens are the ones that concluded that this was a spiritual phenomenon. Um, what was it that caused them to decide this is a spiritual experience mm. that's happening? Yep. Great question, Kevin. You know your stuff. Um, well, we go back as far as Dr. J. Allen Hynek and Dr. Jacques Vallée, who were researchers in the 80s. Uh, Dr. J. Allen Hynek was a, a government researcher. He's a physicist under Project Blue Book. The government been investigating. Uh, they've had four separate inquiries over the years into UFOs, sign, grudge, the Condon report. Uh, and in fact, a History Channel TV series was made, semi, you know, biographical, I suppose. Uh, there was a lot of nonsense in it, called Blue Book, based upon Dr. J. Allen Hynek. So what caused them to, to come to that conclusion was the actual weight of evidence. So I would say that the secular person, the ufologist and the Christian ufologist like myself, we both agree about the nature of what we're looking at. We might disagree about its origin. And that's what serious researchers do. But most lay people, when they think about ETs, because of science fiction, we think about you know, Star Trek and being able to jump into Warp Factor 7 and, you know, travel around the Milky Way at leisure. Um, <laughs> at leisure. Look, and, and people are not going to like this, but it's not possible. No. It's just, it's not possible. I mean, the energy requirements, it's not a matter of advanced technology. You literally have to defy the very laws of physics. So it's that understanding. Now, a skeptic, an evolutionist atheist, he might also say, well, look, it, I don't believe in the supernatural, but most of them who are serious researchers will also say, I also don't believe that they're coming from a galaxy far, far away because it's impossible. Mm. So they would say it's interdimensional. And we've heard things like string theory or multiverse, which are, are thrown up to enforce this idea. But the researchers themselves came to it because of the weight of evidence, because, as I said, craft appear, disappear, they change shape. They, they do aerial maneuvers. I mean, I've got firsthand testimony in my book of a man who later became a Christian, but he talked about being out in the woods hunting and he saw these lights descend to the ground at incredible speed in front of him. He said and they didn't even slow down and they did a U-turn and went straight back up. Well, can you imagine the G-forces involved? Now, you know, I know if you watch Star Trek, they have these inertial dampeners yeah. that avoid that, but that's science fiction. And so, again, in the movie, the reason I mentioned that, so I mentioned, for example, Dr. John Mack. Now, he, he caught on to the work of a, a guy called Bud Hopkins, who was kind of the world's first specialist abduction researcher. And, uh, and I've got Bud Hopkins in the movie, some of his stories as well. Terribly frightening what he recount, recounts people allegedly happening to them on a ship. But he says, look, there's a good clinical case here. He didn't believe people were really being affected by aliens. And so he followed Hopkins around. He also put them under hypnosis, which is called hypnotic regression, because sometimes these stories are hidden, trying to uncover. And we've got uh, footage of John Mack uh, appearing on Oprah with one of his uh, case studies. And he says, let me tell you, as a clinical psychologist, he says, um, the, 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 the way that these things manifest, he said, I'm trained. He said, it's not lies, you know, not make-believe. He said, 
the only way this can actually manifest in the person's lives after studying them is real experience. So he ended up becoming a believer. And the reason I'm telling you that is because I've got footage of him on another show with another um, psychiatrist, actually, at the time. And he turns around. This is a professor of Harvard Medical School, started as a skeptic, and he says, we are dealing with spirit beings who are coming from another realm or dimension. Wow. Now, when you and I say something like that, people would expect it. But when I heard him say it, it I just yeah. about fell off my chair because he was forced to admit that because of the very nature of the experiences people have, how these beings appear, how the craft appear, what's being done to them. And he kind of said that they use almost rape-like interventions. And then he tried to pull back from that because he still thinks they could be beneficial and that they're using some sort of impactful way of getting our attention by literally you know, people under uh, having to un endure rape-like experiences on board a spaceship. And that kind of gives people a bit of an indication of what mainly happens to abductees. Yeah. You know? Yes. And these are not, um, like you said before, their conclusion after doing all these interviews and talking to all these people is, is that th this is not people just trying to get attention. This is this, their conclusion through, uh, you, you, you said it earlier, is you're able to t distinguish between some, something that's fictional, something that's authentic. Um, these are real experiences they're having because it's, it's absolutely life-changing to them. Absolutely. I mean, if you've never been at a church, <laughs> um, you know, you've only been brought up with Bible stories as a kid and you wake up in the middle of the night, you're paralyzed in your room. The reason I say that is people listening will resonate with what I've just said. Uh, they can't talk, but a little being stands there. It might speak to them, but then they're told they're special. So in this incredibly vast universe, we decided to visit this little rocky planet and we've been watching you and suddenly you're given meaning and purpose, right? Yeah. I liken it this way because this, this, this encompasses all religions and all worldviews. You know, the three big questions we often talk about in the church and outside the church there, every human has probably had to question, where do we come from? Why are we here? What's our meaning and purpose? And what happens to us when we die? Now, of course, if evolution's true, right? Answer to question one. There's no meaning and purpose. We're just a giant cosmic accident. When we die, there's no life after death. If God's creator, well, we were created with meaning and purpose, says he knew us before we were even formed in the womb because he operates outside of time and space. And the decisions you make in this life are going to affect where we spend eternity. But here's the rub. The answers to questions two and three will always be determined by question one. Where do we come from? Yeah. And guess what the people are told with their encounters with these alleged aliens? We're your creators. Mm. They give them meaning and purpose. They have their own eschatology. What's going to happen oh. to you, as I mentioned before. Mm. And so this becomes an all-encompassing worldview for people. And so ufologists have said it becomes a substitute religion because guess what? It answers those three big questions. Yeah. And that's what the nature of the experience can do and why the stories that they're told become so convincing and why it is life-changing. I didn't get saved till I was an adult, Kevin. And I can tell you, when I had an encounter with the living Christ in my bedroom one night reading the Bible and his words spoke to me and I was so convicted, that was a life-changing experience. Yeah. But our experiences are not enough. If I said to someone who was a Buddhist or a Hindu, listen, I had a life-changing experience, he might be able to say the same thing to me. How do we determine the reality of the experiences? And that's where we go back to the authority of Scripture. Because as creation scientists, we also look at where it touches on the physical realities of this world. And we can find, guess what? The good old book doesn't say that an, an, ele an elephant is holding up the world on its shoulders or like yeah. the Greeks, Atlas is holding it up or in Hindu religion or Muslim religions, a bull or something like that. Yeah. Uh, he hangs the earth on nothing, the Bible says. Yep. You know, God sits above the circle of the earth. How did they know that? those ancient writers before they had spaceships. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting because um, I was, I was looking at a, a video, Elon Musk put something out and it was uh, things are getting really, really weird. And uh, man, we live in a time where things are just getting really, really weird. And 
the only way you can have that firm foundation is through the word of God. Um, the consistency, the stability, the reality, uh, it is just so, so true. And mm. so when you go back to the word of God and you continually um, look at that as your, your, uh, what you're holding up against what you're experiencing and what you're seeing, uh, it's critical in order to be able to make um, good decisions about life because these are confusing things. And if you don't have the word of God, you are going to be so confused by everything that's going on. It's just wild. And yeah. uh, well, let so, me say that. Let me say that in a number of areas, Kevin, not just on this subject, but yeah, you know, I was just talking to our staff today because we're living at very difficult political times. Mm -hmm. World affairs are, are difficult, and I see Christians getting very, very vigilant and partisan about all sorts of views. And to be honest, I often see them departing from Scripture. You know, we, we, we try to fit these things into what we think is our view of Christianity. But actually, you know, I wonder how Jesus would think about them. You know, yeah. does Jesus really care about politics and political parties? He, he cares about souls and individuals. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be witnesses for Christ. And look, at the end of the day, the only thing we're taking to heaven with us are the people we lead to Christ. That's it. Mm. Amen. And, you know, I often make a point that people, and I'm certainly not making light of their experiences, but these hundreds of abductees and experiences that I've met over the years, and, and even the ones I've read about, no one brings back any physical object from the spaceship with them. Mm. You know, nobody stole a towel from the bathroom or whatever. And so it's clearly happening in the spirit realm, in the illusory realm realm and again if uh, we don't have time to talk about it now but it, it begs the question if people are not really on board a spaceship how come they have these vivid details of what's happening well the answer lies in something called um, false memory syndrome which is a real medical syndrome that can mm. be invoked upon people it's recognized by specialists and quite simply if people can do that to each other how why couldn't fallen angels do that and unfortunately, when people wake up from their experience or in the morning, um, they cannot determine that uh, fictional episode from reality. They become one and the same. It's an incredibly powerful thing. I mean, in, in the movie, we feature a British hypnotist called Darren Brown. He's, a, he's an evolutionist. He's a homosexual. He certainly doesn't believe in God. But you'll see him perform stuff on the street and he can change children's childhood memories just in talking to them in a couple of moments. And so uh, that's that's how easily it can be done. So when people have all of these stories, of course, they're not really happening. But even though they can give you vivid details that can be implanted among, upon them. And, and um, for those of you listening, something else I wanted to say about that, because this makes you feel like, boy, I, I can be pretty much deceived at any time here. Um, the truth of the matter is, and Gary, in your book, I remember this detail, that when the secular, I believe it was the secular researchers were studying this, they were looking for what group is this not happening to? And, yeah. and very specifically, it was the born again believers, which a true Christian is born again. There's no such thing as a born again Christian and a not born again Christian. That's John chapter three. But you, in your book, you specifically outline this, that um, our protection lies in Christ. Um, the ability to not be deceived lies in Christ um, because yeah. the whole word of God emphasizes the truth. Just share with us that. that, that uh, sure. Well, these were two non-Christian UFO researchers. In fact, one of them was a field investigator for MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, which is the world's largest group clearinghouse for UFO investigations in the world, headquartered here in America. Um, they were looking at people and they go out and they investigate sightings, people seeing to, and abductees. And they themselves said, look, it's so bizarre. It's just hard for us to wrap our heads around. So they kind of had a let's step outside of the box approach. Instead of looking at people who have been abducted, is there any significant group of people who seem to be exempt? And just to qualify your statement a little bit, they came to the understanding because, as I mentioned at the beginning, some of these people were calling on the name of Christ. They were saying prayers. They were resorting to their childhood faith, mm. etc., because they were terrified. Yeah. And these experiences stopped in their tracks. 
But then when they got down a bit further, and, and this is secular researchers saying this, it's interesting. They said they found there were two types of Christians. There were these talk the talk Christians, to use their vernacular, and then there were the walk the walk Christians. And they found that it was the walk the walk Christians that by and large seemed to be exempt from having these experiences. Mm. And they found that the walk the walk Christians were those who believed that the Bible was the word of God, Jesus was the Christ, he's the Messiah, because as you know, a lot of people call themselves Christians today, and there's a lot of cultural Christianity uh, in the US, and those people were still being affected. Yeah. So what was interesting is they rang their colleagues in MUFON, and to their surprise, their colleagues in MUFON said, kind of, and I'm paraphrasing here, yeah, we know about that, so <laughs> aliens don't like Christians, big deal. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but they weren't satisfied with the answer. So they went off and basically enrolled themselves in kind of like new Christians class to find out. And I applaud them for trying to get to the to bottom yeah. of it. What it was about these walk the walk Christians that aliens didn't like. And as a result of their study, guess what? Well, they realized that the Bible was the only thing that made sense of what was they were dealing with the interdimensional realm, the visitations of angels. And so they got saved as a result of their research. And one of them, Joe Jordan, has a, a, a become a fellow traveler, a good friend of mine. He appears in the movie uh, up until his retirement. He was still an investigator for MUFON. In fact, he was uh, had to move to South Korea with his job. And he was the head of MUFON for South Korea. So he still managed to hold a very senior position. And um, people go to his website, CE4 Research, and he's got hundreds of testimonies now from people where their abductions and their experiences have been halted in the name of Christ. And so quite simply, I mean, that just speaks volumes to the spiritual nature of what is occurring, mm. um, etc. Now, again, you know, people have written to me and said, well, I'm a Christian and it happened to me. Well, think about the uh, the travelers in the new uh, in the in the book of Acts who got beaten up by demons trying to invoke the name of Christ. That's right. Clearly, they didn't really believe, and the demons knew the difference. That was the thing. Yeah, Amen. So that's that's a a lesson for all of us, right? Stay close to Christ. He's the one that has the truth. He's the one that can protect us. He's the one that's got the power over um, all of creation. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, the demons. The demons asked permission from Christ about what they could and couldn't do. So um, he's the one we need to go to, and he's the one we need to put our confidence in. Yeah, testing. And of course, in the movie, um, we have the firsthand testimonies of some of these people. And that's why I said it, the, the difference between the book, the movie. And I have to tell you, I, you know, I know these people, I've read their stories, but myself and my cameraman, I remember one lady, Joyce, God bless her, she's, she's gone on to be with the Lord now. Even 20 plus years after her experience, she was there just in tears, breaking down, you know, not knowing what to think. She became a Christian. She lost her family as a result because wow. they all thought she was nuts. I mean, it was so traumatic to listen to her and my cameraman and myself, we were just sobbing behind the lens listening to it. Um, eventually, she was reconciled with her husband, uh, her children as a result of their experience. They, they often uh, called me years later to discuss what was going on. But uh, the experience she had brought her closer to Christ because she realized, again, after counseling, it was the only thing. And then the, the enemy tried it on again, uh, appeared in the room, and she said, get out of here. Uh, no more. No and she never, ever had it again after that. So, uh, yeah, and it's incredible to think, you know, even as Christians, we don't kind of mess or think about the spiritual realm. You know, we don't go around casting demons out of people as our daily habit. But if mm -hmm. we read the Bible, the spiritual realm is real. There is a spiritual war going on. Uh, it clearly says what we pray, you know, what will be loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Uh, we've been given awesome responsibility in the name of Jesus. It's not something we should take lightly. And uh, that's why I also said we should also be very patient in people who are undergoing deception because the mm. deception can be so incredibly powerful. Absolutely. Gary, I am uh, so blessed that you have done so much research on a subject because I think 
it is really confusing for a lot of people and they feel lost. They feel unsure and unclear about what in the world is happening. Am I going crazy? Mm. And um, so this insight is so valuable for people to understand really um, the biblical worldview, what is going on. Um, and the Bible spells it out. It's very clear. It, it shows what's happening, why it's happening, what the devil's agenda is, these sorts of things. So thank you very much for your ministry yeah. and uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you. And if I could just mention one article uh, to help Christians with the confusion, if they go to yeah. creation.com, just type in, did God create life on other planets as a very comprehensive article that explains biblically why we should not be concerned about these alleged sightings and why God did not create aliens living on other planets. Fantastic. And uh, again, for those of you listening, creation.com is an incredible resource. I cannot uh, overstate how much help that would be to you if you're researching questions. So many different questions are answered. Um, and when it comes down to the, the science issues regarding evolution and creation and evidence for the flood and so many other issues that um, people are asking about in our, in our current day and age, um, it's a great resource for you to be able to use with your home fellowship, with your church, with your school, uh, your peers, your coworkers. There's just so much information uh, there written by uh, many PhD scientists who have done very thorough research. So please uh, use that as a resource. It's a huge blessing. So again, thanks, Thank you, Gary. Too. And uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, next time a congressional hearing happens on aliens, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you on the show again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I should expect it. And uh, I think Christians should be, uh, it's a time to make sure they're well-grounded. I think we're in for uh, troubling times. Amen. Okay. Thanks, brother. God bless. Yep. Bye-bye.